Children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Okay, today, welcome champions. We chat with American downhiller, Stephen Nyman. He's an alpine ski racer with a long and vibrant career, 19 years on the US ski team, four Olympic teams, six world championship teams. He's got three World Cup wins under his belt, 11 World Cup podiums, a father of two, and Steve happens to be one of the oldest competitors on the circuit. He will be 40 years old by the next Olympics. We can't wait to dig into the secrets of his mind that attribute to this longevity in such a grueling sport. His story is one of grit, comebacks, never giving up, and believing in himself. Stephen, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you ladies. You guys are a big part of my longevity, actually. I, I, I credit you two to uh, that that part. And it was your two's connection to a doctor that you introduced me to that I think has kept me going all these years. So Ooh, thank you for yeah. that. And thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, that'll be fun to get into that story. So exciting. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. I didn't really listen to you, April. April April was always, April told me, I broke my leg back in 2004 and I had a rod put in there and I I was in a ton of pain and April told me about it. But then once Rowie told me, then I was like, okay, I'll listen. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you just need to hear something more than once to really listen, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna actually get into um, some of your injuries and your recoveries and your comebacks from them a little bit down the line in this in this chat. But we would love to just hear from you. Like, when did all when did it all start? Like, how old were you when you started skiing? Do you remember when you had your first ski race? Um, take us back. So, uh, my dad ran the ski school at Sundance, which is a little resort in Utah, and I have three brothers. We all started skiing at the age of two. We all push each other on the mountain. Um, and we, I, I actually wasn't the fastest of my brothers. There's races when I was young, when my older brother beat me, obviously, but my younger brother even beat me. Blake was very good. Wow. And I was the worst. And I was, I, I laid under my bed and cried and I swore that would never happen again. But I think I was <laughs> the most competitive out of all of them. And, uh, and so, I, I just loved it, and it was something I attached to. And through the years at Sundance, I, I skied with some good talent. And there's actually a rich history that came through Sundance. Uh, several kids that skied at the Sundance ski team made the U.S. ski team over the years, and it was developed from a uh, the father of uh, another Olympian and U.S. ski team member. So. Um, there's a rich history there, but I got to a level to where I, I was the best. I wasn't chasing anybody and that was around 16 years old. So I decided to go to Park City Ski Team, which happened to be the, um, kind of premier club in the nation at that time, luckily. And I, I worked it out with my local high school. I didn't go to any winter school or private school or anything like that. We couldn't afford that. 
Um, so I proposed my own curriculum to our high school and I just said, I want to make the Olympics. This is, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. Little did I know I wasn't that great <laughs> at the time, but, um, I, I Sundance is an art community. So I took my art classes from real artists at, at Sundance. I learned how to paint and sculpt and do pottery and, and, and whatnot. It was, it was pretty cool and fun. Um, and then obviously physical education, I didn't have to do that at school because I was pursuing this Olympic dream. And, uh, and so that allowed me to get out of school at noon every day. And then I drive up to Park City and, and train with kids that were better than me. And I was on the Park City B team, which was not very good. And then I saw I needed to get to the A team and it chipped away. I got to the A team and then, um, I saw the, I, I wanted to get to nationals and I got to nationals and I wanted to, podium as a junior at nationals. I did that. And then I wanted to make the world junior team. And a lot of these things I actually didn't really know existed until I kind of got in that realm. And I was like, why is everybody wearing these jackets? Where is everybody going? Oh, world juniors. That sounds cool. I'm kind of close to them. Maybe I could do that next year, you know? And so I'd figure out how to get to that level. Then I went to world juniors and as as a nobody, essentially, from the Park City Ski Team, never was really invited to a U.S. Ski Team camp. Um, I was picked on discretion. I had great points, but I got them in the fall, and people kind of thought the race was fluky. But then through a series of events, basically my ski company made very inconsistent skis, and I had these skis that were two and a half years old and they were duct taped on the tip there's space missing edge missing but i was so fast every time i got on them and um and i didn't i, I didn't come from much money so when i did well in these fall races i was given a bunch of these skis from k2 new skis and i was like oh wow i finally have new skis i don't have to use these pieces and uh i went to the junior nationals and just got throttled couldn't hold an edge on ice was so oh. bad and i was like well that's it going to college and uh <laughs> and then i went home and i got back on sorry sorry you guys are great college racers and, Olympians <laughs> and everything. That's, why I, that's why i laughed i was like oh going to college <laughs> oh, keep going this is fascinating and, uh, <laughs> So then I um, went home and I got on those old skis again and I was like, oh, this is that feeling I had and I just can't replicate these that feeling on these new skis. So I went to Europe. I did well on some random fist races and they said, oh, okay, he's, he's got it and we'll invite him on discretion. And this is like I, I got a world juniors and... Well, sorry, you at the time, Rowena, were competing at the Olympics, 2002 Olympics in Utah. Yeah. Um, and I'm training next to all these Olympians and a former coach of mine who was Bodie Miller's coach at the time. He was back in town and he gave me a pair of Bodie skis and he just said, Stephen, try these. And they're a pair of fishers. And I, uh, I got on them and I was like, I am a ski god. <laughs> and I was trained next to all these, all these guys, all these Olympians. And I'm like, I can beat all these guys. Like I, I this is so easy right now. And, uh, I went to world juniors and I'm in like, I had an old downhill suit. And if you don't know what a downhill suit is, it's our tight Lycra suits. 
it was all torn up on the bottom. So I got scissors and I cut the bottoms off and I wore that on top. And then I had some 90s stretch pants that I bought at the Park City Ski Swap for 10 bucks. And that's what I raced in. And I went to World Juniors and I beat everyone. And I, I had a backwards, this, a backwards hat on with goggles and I <laughs> beat everyone. It was pretty funny. Oh and, uh, and so then I was invited to World Cup finals, which is the best guys in the world on the World Cup, obviously. And anybody who wins World Juniors gets to compete in that event at World Cup finals that season. And I'm training with Eric Schlopey, Bodie Miller, Michael Von Grunigan, Chateau Andrama, Chuzola Carlson, like all these guys, all the top guys in the world. And I'm beating all of them in training at this little hill in Austria uh, called Hinterite. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. It's just really easy and I'm doing it. And, <laughs> and uh, then I got a pair of GS skis, which I wasn't a good GS skier at all. Um, and... I, I, this is my mentality. Basically, you got to wax your skis and you scrape them off and you brush them and everything. And I only had like one pair of skis. So my mentality was like wax them and ski the wax off and kind of like preserve them. And so <laughs> I had a technician tuning my skis now and I go down in the room and he didn't really talk to me. I just like grabbed the skis that still had the wax on them. And they were actually skis that weren't even prepped. He hadn't done anything to them. And I'm out there beating all these guys, like I'm ranked a thousandth in the world or something in GS. Like I had 60 points. It was really bad. And I'm beating all the best GS skiers in the world. <laughs> and Bodie's just like, who is this kid? This kid's going to take over the world. And uh, I didn't take over the world. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I, I made the U.S. ski team. <laughs> I went from Park City ski team to the USB team. Um, and then was basically shoved onto the World Cup that next year and just got beat up. But um, I broke my leg that spring skiing slalom and it really hurt to ski. So mm. uh, that that was kind of my transition to speed from the broken leg. So no yeah. way. That's how and then I became good at that. <laughs> yeah. So were you 18 at this point or 19? I can't. I like was. When you won World Genius, uh, were you 19, 18? 19? I was 19 turning 21 or turning 20. Okay. Yeah. I remember, um, turning 21. I remember when you won world genius, but I had no idea about this backstory. This is like, this is fun, Steven. I mean, <laughs> it, I it was pretty fun and it was a rapid ascension. It was like, yeah. everything was just being thrown in my face and I'm like, yeah. well, what do I do with all this? This is crazy. I just assumed you were always was, good. Cool. And you were always like winning and you were always like on the A team. I had no idea that you worked, yes, on your way so up. And the and the the ski story, when I heard you, I mean it sounds like a little bit lucky when you get like the right skis, but it sounds like just a match to your determination and work work ethic, you know, just attracting what you needed to be amazing. Yeah. And so with skiing, there's so many variables and so many things that can affect your performance and um i consider myself a good athlete all-around athlete at kind of anything i try and do mm-hmm. and i try and expose myself to a bunch of different things to learn how to use my body in a bunch of different ways so um that will help me with my sport that i actually hone into and that's something i believe kids should uh 
do. There's a lot of specialization now in skiing and kids are in the gates and they're training and just hammering, hammering, hammering. But a lot of the best people on the team, the U.S. ski team, are from resorts that that promote just free skiing and testing yourself. Like like you, April, like Squaw Valley. They're the best skiers on the U.S. ski team just naturally stand on their skis and can go are from Squaw Valley because I think they just the mountain taught them how to move, you know? Yeah. And I think that, um, I mean, I hear it when you're just talking about it is that you just were having so much fun and it wasn't a ton of pressure. You know, it was just like figuring it out and finding the fun and, and getting to that place where you keep, you keep saying easy. And that's kind of that flow state that it's, it's hard to describe. It's hard to find. Um, but it is where you will be your best. So I think that that is just everything that you haven't, that you didn't come in with like all this pressure um, and that's, you know, honestly, that's, that's probably what, I mean, you can speak to this, but, you know, just seeing your longevity in the sport is something that is so honorable because it's not easy to do something like this as fun as skiing is, as, as every, you know, all us skiers know, it still has its hard part to, you know, have, have that longevity. So, um, kind of speak to that. Like, how, how have you been able to, um, continue to not only ski race for so long, but to, to be consistently so, um, good and, you know, you've, you've been, you've qualified for four Olympics. I mean, that's you guys, Olympics are every four years. If you just do the math, that's amazing to be good enough to be on the Olympic team for that long of a time. So maybe talk about like, was that your vision that you always were going to go for so long? Like, how have you just kept going and, and done so well? Not at all. Um, so earlier I said, we didn't grow up with much. Like we, we didn't have TV reception. We had a TV, we had a VHS tape or VCR and basically people would record shows for us and send them to us. And that's, that was our TV. And, um, I was given a tape of the 92 Olympics in Albertville and or 94 Olympics in Albertville. And, uh, I watched that over and over and over. And that was like my dream. It was like, Oh, the Olympics, I want to go race the Olympics against the world. And that was kind of like my, my, my little motivation as a kid. Um, but not really understanding what it took. Um, like I didn't, I didn't know what junior Olympics were. Like I, I'd go to these races. Um, I grew up, I didn't race on Sundays. Uh, I'd go to these random races and all of a sudden at the end of the year, these kids showed up with these jackets and they're all, they have all their matching jackets. And I'm like, what, what's this? And they're like, oh, the junior Olympics. And I'm like, well, why, why didn't I go? I usually beat some of these guys. Oh, you didn't sign some form that said you were interested, you know? And so the next year I thought I signed the right forms and I actually didn't. And then I, I got named on discretion at the last second, but blah, blah, blah. It was, it was just that, um, the desire to figure it out and, and the passion for the sport that I'd ingrained in myself throughout the years. Um, you talk about my longevity and you talk about figuring things out on my own that in itself is admirable, but it's also, it, it was also my Achilles heel. Like a lot of times I didn't communicate and I didn't ask questions and I didn't, I, I was shy. I was very shy. And, um, I didn't, I, I was afraid to expose myself that I didn't know what was really going on. Mm -hmm. I just kind of put my head down and figure it out. And that's what I wanted to do. But, um, later in life, I figured out like 
ask questions and, and uh, learn from other people. And that's going to help you move forward. And I try and spread my knowledge onto the people of my team as well. Uh, the young guys, I see a lot of guys doing the same stuff that I did and they're just beating their heads against the wall. And I'm like, Hey, like try this. Just, just trust me. It's okay. And, and it's mainly tall guys. Like the sport's not made for tall guys. Like, like me, I'm six foot four. I have a teammate, Bryce Bennett, who is on the same skis as me, Fisher. And he is, he's like my teammate of teammates. Uh, we're our team within the team and I see him making the same mistakes as a tall guy. And, and it's been fun to kind of help him streamline that process and see him succeed. And that makes it more meaningful for me. Um, but one thing that I, I really found that helped me be successful with my team and be consistently successful, I'd randomly have good races here and there, but then I'd, I'd have some down races uh, and, and kind of figure it out over a few weekends and then hop back up. But the thing that created that consistency was communication and talking with my coaches and my teammates and uh, really putting my intentions out there so people knew what I wanted and, and wanted to help me get to that place. And it's as simple as I, I got my phone and I just have like a little Google sheet and I put it on the phone and I share it to all my coaches and I, and I make a little uh, app for them. So all they got to do is just click on that on their home screen and they know what my focuses are that day. And I, I keep it to two or three, very simple, but it holds me accountable because I'm, I'm spreading it to them and I'm saying, Hey, today it's pulling my inside hip back and keeping my chest down. And um, if they're going to watch for that, or if I say something that, is off point. They know that I'm a little off point and they can call me out. And it's a, it's a day to day run to run constantly, uh, focused goals. Whereas you could go train and then sit down a video, talk to your coach, say, yeah, I need to do this. And then kind of go out there and do it the next day. And, and one coach could be telling you one thing and another coach could be telling you another thing. Another coach could be telling you another thing. And then your head's just all over the place and you're not actually streamlining your focus toward something that's creating good habits and, and, and um, actually making a difference in, in, in producing myelin and, 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 to where things just become second nature, the ability to communicate and focus and really talk run to run and hold yourself accountable is so much more efficient. And, um, I found that I just kept improving. And this is, this is when I was, this is five years ago. This is when I was 34, 35. Wow. So, um, to me, then I started having consistent podiums, I had four podiums in a row and it just was like so much more meaningful because the team behind me was all a part of that. And, and, and we just celebrated together and we just had so much fun together because they felt, I think that inclusion and I obviously felt their importance. And, um, so I feel like that communication is just so key to success. Yeah, this is a this is an incredible and surprising message, actually, to pass on to the the our young listeners, because um, it's not 
yeah, thank you so much for this. This makes total sense. It kind of comes down to when you know your why and then you're vulnerable enough to share it with others, then together you can do anything. It sounds like that's what you have finally figured out. So you were 35 when you kind of figured out this system and habits. Do you have times in your life where you told people where you were going? Like maybe you told people, I'm going to the Olympics or I'm making the World Cup team and you had them not believe in you or tell you it wasn't happening, you weren't the man, you were too tall. I don't know. Do you have anything like that? <laughs> um <laughs> The main thing that, that pops in my head is, is sponsors. Um, mm. I, I, I had a rapid ascension. Uh, I won on the World Cup. I had a few podiums and then I dove down and I had a few very dark years. And it was trying to rebuild myself and figure it out. And, and essentially, yes, I was tall and things, things, ski, ski equipment isn't built for tall people. It's built for 5'10 to, five, eight, uh, kind of shorter, stockier guys. And then especially boots, they, they grow them exponentially. So they're not actually really fit for our feet. And I'd talk to my sponsors and tell them what I'm feeling, but they wouldn't change. They just try this or that. And I couldn't get things really aligned. Um, and then the, the results weren't coming and the, the sponsors, kind of cut they didn't cut me but they cut a lot of my pay and and i just said i i could feel it that summer i was like things are building and i know i got these new boots and i knew i was skiing fast and i was just like i i don't care you don't have to pay me but if i win i'd like to be paid properly and they respected that and i started winning again and i started performing consistently and uh it was kind of cool to uh, I don't want to say it was pushed back in their face, but it was, they, they respected me enough that they believed I could do it, but they didn't, um, give me anything up front. I just, I had to prove myself and I've always kind of done that. I, I feed off of that. That's something that, um, motivates me. It's, 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 it's like, you don't have to give me a bunch up front, but when I do well, I'd like to, uh, to be rewarded. <laughs> I love but it's it. not for it's, it's it's not for the money, kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that I think everyone kind of has that those goals. I mean, I remember being a kid growing up, just you know, having a lot of goals. I see my kids do it already. I mean, it's just it's something that's hard to avoid. You see these people that you look up to, and you see that they're sponsored, and you know, yeah, you have these goals of what you want to achieve, but it seems like that kind of goes along with it. So I think this is really cool to to just explain kind of your your history of that because that truly is you believing in yourself and that belief in yourself is what is I mean this is amazing right because it's believe in Steven right but it's like that belief in yourself is really what drives so much in the sport because you know we talk about it all the time but you you have to find that belief and so how did you get that how did you get to the point where you could believe in yourself even when you kind of didn't really know like do you have any things that you could pass on that that would be really helpful for our listening champions that would you know that that really helped you when you did have times when you didn't believe in yourself as much or you didn't I mean skiing like didn't believe in your equipment or all those things like any tricks that really helped you so I'd say with with it's tough as a kid because 
there's certain personalities and you learn certain ways and some people are visual and some people can listen. Uh, some people have to feel, but with, um, it's, it's hard to compare yourself to others, but that in a sense is something that you can use to motivate yourself. And in skiing, we have a clock and we have something that is, is solid and you can see like, Oh, I'm, I'm within the realm. Nothing's really judged. Uh, but if you're a, a freestyle skier or something that's more of a judge sport, like you still have your tricks and, and you know that you can kind of compare to that. And, it, and it's a weird scenario these days with the YouTube generation, you know, they, they can watch what's going on. I, I, I I look at it as Tony Hawk. Like when we grew up, there's the Tony Hawk pro skater and you played the game and you're like, oh, this stuff is, this is impossible. But now you watch and people are doing what we were actually doing on the Tony Hawk pro skater game. And it was that belief and that conviction that was placed in them somehow. Um, and to me, that conviction comes from experience and, uh, being able to race or train next to guys that are faster than me and say, okay, um, this is, this is something I can do. And I performed in this scenario and I have this ability and, uh, just, just grasping onto any of those little pieces that will bring your belief higher and, and, and make you believe in yourself. Um, <laughs> but then there's a scenario where, um, I actually raced against your sister, April, and it was a side-by-side GS, and she beat me. So, hey, <laughs> sometimes you get struck down, too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you, you need to find those scenarios that are going to boost you up and, and make you believe in your abilities. <laughs> and there's also there's a conviction that you have to create and for me it starts in the spring we we ski we go to mammoth we um feel our equipment out we test things it's under very little pressure and uh this year i i actually created this new boot and i was having trouble because i tore my achilles last august and it's, it just wasn't coming around that fast you don't heal as fast at 40 apparently and so, um, I, I was having these troubles and I created this new boot and I finally got on it the last day of this mammoth camp. And I was like, Whoa, that's a feeling I've been searching for forever. And, and I was very frustrated the entire camp because the right footers, I just couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't feel what I wanted to feel. I, I felt very weak. But once I got in this boot, I was like, it's on. I still got it. Let's go. And so now, um, all summer long, I've been like living off of this and I'm training off of it and I'm building everything in the gym. And I, I have my, uh, weaknesses that I'm working on and building those little pieces brick by brick. Uh, my, my, uh, basically it's the strength in my calf and then the coordination and my regaining my balance, uh, through various things, if it's slack line or, coordination drills or other little balance drills. And then obviously there's my overall strength and my endurance. Um, and, and now in a few days I'm headed to Zermatt to finally ski again and to test my, myself and, um, find those scenarios where I can be the best and, and, and 
gain confidence in myself. Um, I am, I am one of the best, if not the best glider in the world. And gliding is, uh, basically where you can just have a soft touch on your skis when you're just going straight. And for some reason I can go straighter, faster in the straightest scenario than most people. Um, it's the way I can tuck and the way I just feel my edges and how I move over the ski. Um, and it's something that's internal in me, but I know once I get in that scenario, I, I, I just want to beat people down and, and show myself that I still have it and I have that confidence. And then there's the scenarios where, where it's really turny and, um, I need to, that, that's not my strength, but I'm good at it and I'm getting better at it. And, um, I need to kind of test myself in those arenas and, and regain my confidence there and, and build that up within myself to where when end of November comes and race time comes, I have all that confidence in me and I know, all right, it's race time. It's on. I've prepared the best that I can. And, and I know I have these abilities and I have this belief and now I'm just going to see what I'm capable of. I'm not targeting anybody. I'm not trying to win. I'm just knowing I've already won and I know what it takes to win. And I'm just trying to recreate that in myself to where, all right, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do my best. And I know if I can do my best, it probably can win. So, um, it's, it's, I don't even know if I answered the question. I just went off there for a while, but no, it's, it's <laughs> um, really, I love it. You're speaking what so many of our guests do speak this, like, yes, of course you're inspired by others. They motivate you to like be a better version, but you're literally out there to be your best self. And some days that's better than everyone else. And some days it's not like even I imagine, you know, even on your recovery from all your injuries, there are days where you literally simply physically could not win, but you were still winning because you were literally climbing out of the darkest places. I imagine like that's one of the most amazing things about your story to me is how many times you've come back from places where, I mean, we've seen a lot of athletes like, they break their leg. You did you? What part of your leg did you break after the World Juniors? Was it your tibia? Uh, that was my fib. I gotta feel my legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was my that was my left uh, fibula. Yeah, and that, so, that's just kind of like the rotational bone. So it, it affected my slalom. Yeah. Um, but then two years later, I broke my tibia. Um, and I had a rod put in there and taken out and I was in a lot of pain. And then that's when you guys led me to my guru guy um, yeah. and helped me. Craig Bueller, Dr. Craig Bueller. Thank you for Love him. the longevity. Um, there was that one. And it's, it's, it's trying to figure out how can I make this work? Because it, it can work. Plenty mm -hmm. of people have been through this and plenty yeah. of people have come back from this and um figuring out what works for you um currently it's really funny because of my boot scenario I, I i talked to my sponsor and i said i did this this is what i figured out and i think it's really good and i need this piece and this piece and this piece and they're like you know what works for you you do not need to change anything this has worked for you for several years and i'm like I do need to change things. And this is why I'm still going at almost 40 years old is because I'm always changing and I'm always reassessing and I'm always trying to 
stay ahead of the game. I don't just sit on what I have and think it's going to be good enough. I, I, I always want to figure out something better and I'm always in a constant search. Um, you need to have your foundation and you need to have that, that base you can always fall back to that you know works, but you always need to reach out and see, okay, is this going to be a, a good addition or is it a bad addition? And sometimes you hop on a pair of skis and you head down the course, you're like, this does not work. And I shouldn't even be doing this right now. And sometimes you get on them and you're like, all oh, right, this, this is a good feeling. Maybe we're onto something. So, um, and, and, and that's, uh, that can be said physically, mentally, um, whatever it is, you, you always need to explore and push your boundaries a little bit to see what you're capable of. And is it a good direction to kind of move in? And with all of your injuries that you've had, and you kind of talked about it a little bit, just um, having getting into kind of a dark place sometimes, how have you been able to get back from that? Family and friends. I, I spent a lot of time in my parents' basement. <laughs> my mom helped me a lot. And my mom's um, incredibly sweet and, and loving and caring. Um, and my my friends and uh, this last time, it's been my family and my wife, my kids, uh, just helping me see the positive in life and, and me understand that ski racing isn't everything like I, I absolutely love my kids and I love coming home to them and I love that they don't care that dad's a very good ski racer they just they just want to be thrown in the air and they want to be blown on their stomachs and, and laugh and be tickled like that's just what they want and it, and it just takes me out of my own head and I, I get to just enjoy much more of life that's that's definitely been the big shift as of late because um my past three injuries which is a torn acl mcl pcl lcl basically everything in my left knee and then an acl in the right knee and then now my achilles in the right leg um that's basically over a four-year span um has been tough but it's i've i've had my first daughter and now a second daughter um during that time and it just brings so much joy and happiness to me and uh and yes it's stressful sometimes but it's they, they take me out of the game and i and i think for the kids it's finding those friends and finding those people that motivate you and when i was back on the park city ski team we had this nucleus of kids uh, the, and several of them made the U.S. ski team. And I think it was because we created this bond with amongst each other that we wanted to push each other and respected each other. And we wanted to win. Everybody was so competitive and everybody wanted to win, but we would share that information and we would just compete. And, and we were there for when they fell down and we were there for when they succeeded. And, uh, I think if you can create that amongst your friends or amongst your teammates, that's, that's a recipe for success. Mm, yeah. High vibe community. Yeah. Do you have any um, words that you say to yourself? Like I know you talked about the spreadsheet you have that you send to your coaches about what you're working on and focusing on. Do you have any like specific yeah, affirmations that you'll say before training or when you wake up or. To me, it's always, it's always, something telling me to to go faster to push for more but that's mm -hmm. 
that's when it comes to race day. Race mm-hmm. day, it's never, it's never a, uh, a, a highly repetitive affirmation mm-hmm. aside from like, go, go, go. And that go, go, go comes from the conviction that I've created throughout the summer and throughout the years of training and understanding of what I'm capable of. Um, once I get to race mode, I just want to go, but it's also, I have a vision in my head, a, I, I, I'm a big believer in visualization and, and convincing myself of what's possible. I'll spend the most time inspecting more, more than most guys on the world cup. I'll, I will just eat up every minute that I have during that inspection time. And I'll just sit on these turns and I just look at it and I put it in my head and I see, I know where the fast guys went. I know I'll look at that. And if I'm capable of that, I convince myself I'm going and that's where I'm going to go. And I see it and I feel it. Um, if I'm not capable of that, I find the, the line that I believe that I can take that's the fastest. And I just convince myself that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to go there with a hundred percent commitment. And, and I'd rather do that than go into a line and, and have a little doubt within myself. I'd rather find, uh, the line that I can just fully commit to and go. And, um, then I just basically just reiterate it in my head and, and, and I see it and I convince myself of it. And then it's just like, go drive words like that, go drive, move, push. Like that's what I just say to myself the whole way down. And, uh, it tends to work up. <laughs> do you do these visualizations um also when you're not when it's not race day like for other things too or is it mostly just a race day thing? Um all, all the time I was, I I I'm a feeler. I feel my body. I I when I'm doing exercises, I understand uh what I need to tell myself to bring those cues, bring myself to a centered place. Um I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to really say what it is. It's like feel my ankles or feel my knees or, or lower my center of gravity, stable shoulders, or I'll bring my arms in, whatever it is. It's like, I, I always try and tell myself and I feel it. Sometimes I'll just sit there before I'm about to perform this movement or whatnot. I'll just try and feel it in my body. And then I step on and try and pursue that feeling. That that's amazing because you know we talk a lot about vis- visualization and how important it is and and it sounds like you have just gotten to the place where you do exactly what they kind of tell us to do and teach people to do is not just the visualization but also feeling the like actually feel while you're in the visualization feeling the things because then when you get into the moment you're just like you, it's just like it's already happened which is what sounds like you do which is amazing. You know what I would love for you to talk about um, is what does a champion mean to you? Um, A champion, I'd say a champion to me is someone who maximizes their potential. Like you can look at people who win. You can look at people who are on top all the time or are so consistent, but so many people are given a, a totally different canvas and it's how you utilize those tools that you're given and how do you maximize your personal potential. Um, there is a, 
a lot of kids on the ski team that work so hard uh, throughout the years, but they 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 got to their level and that was their level and it was great. And 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 then there's kids that are lazy and just have that touch and feeling and they can just go and they beat everybody. Um, I feel like someone who can see their potential and push for whatever they have and to maximize that is, is the true champion medals or winning or losing or not. It's and, 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 and to be persistent, like if you get knocked down, keep, keep going and keep pushing to see what you're capable of. Oh, we love it. I, I love hearing all your, I, I didn't quite know what a cerebral guy you were and how you approach your, yeah, your craft, because it, it seems like you, you've had more things than I even knew of to, to get through. And it's, you just figure it out by not, not settling. Um, and I think that is the fact that you said that what champion means to you, um, just finding your potential it it you've lived that like you don't settle you keep searching for your highest potential and it's just a joy to watch and we're excited for um the rest of your career and uh we're so grateful that you could share some of these fun things with our listeners um before before we finish is there anything that you would say to your 10 year old self uh, after all the lessons you've learned through failing losing winning (laughs) I kind of I kind of touched on it earlier with just ask questions. Don't be yeah. afraid. Don't be so shy. My wife, she always says I'm I'm off the charts introverted. I was off the charts introverted. Like I, I mean I don't know. I wasn't tested, but I was so shy, and it was something I worked at, and it was something I've I've uh, changed within myself over time. It's not like I'm just made this way and I'm going to stay this way. Like you need to work for things. All good things come from hard work and you need to, uh, if you see something that you like, attach onto it and work for it and, and, and change that within yourself. If it's something that's not natural to you, um, don't just stay within your safe zones, push for more and, and, and make yourself uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable, but, um, in time you will become what you want to become and you can create your, you can become whatever you want to become. Like this, this life you're given is basically something that allows you to create whatever you want to create with, with these tools that you're given. So go for it. Oh, I love it. I am so, we have just had such a fun time with you today, Stephen. It's been so good to talk to you. I feel like we have it's gone been way too long since we've connected. So this has been really fun. And we cannot wait to watch you at this next Olympics this upcoming um, year. I'm all in Olympic fever um, right now watching the Summer Olympics. <laughs> and it's just going to be so Isn't fun. Isn't it watching. so motivating? <laughs> yes. yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank it's you. It's cool to watch. Like It's cool with kids, too. I've been getting my daughter to watch some stuff. And <clears throat> she's she dances when she hears the Olympic song she just 
start dancing <laughs> it's, it's so funny but oh it's so fun i just love how they get to listen to this the podcast now and you know they jet was listening to billy the other day um when we were driving and i just was like this has been my vision and my dream and i kind of thought that he wasn't paying attention because he was like playing this game on his ipad too and uh, and he turns to me, he goes, Mom, really good podcast. This is really, I'm learning so much. And then like, I'm like, oh, okay. And then like a couple seconds later, he's like, listen to something Billy said about to do something. He's like, I should try that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why we're doing this. So I know that all these tips that you have given have, are going to be so helpful for the future generation. So thank you so much. And, um, and, and honestly, even everybody, it doesn't have to be people up and coming, just some of the things that you tips that you said today I'm like oh man if I was still competing in ski racing I like I was like oh I should have done that when you were talking about that like, yeah that would have been really good if I did that <laughs> so so I know it's gonna be super helpful for so many people uh thanks well, for your time, thank Steve. you ladies for the inspiration and and uh yeah let's go 